she's like, well, this is not fun for me. And they're like, Austin, we're getting a divorce. This is not fun for anyone. Have you thought about how it affects me and my relationship with Joe? (laughs) Oh, Dawson, look, there's your mom. Back to you, Bob. Hello and welcome to Back to You, Baba Dawson's Creek podcast. We are your hosts, Christina and Micah, and this is episode 208, The Reluctant Hero, which originally aired on November 25th, 1998, day wow. before Thanksgiving. What? That is Yeah. Nuts. My parents were probably like, let's go out. And I was like, no, we have to stay home and watch Dawson's Creek. <laughs> <laughs> Dawson and Joey just broke up. I have to see what happens. <laughs> that is so weird that it aired the day before Thanksgiving because usually things the only thing I could think about is like Survivor used to air the day before Thanksgiving the air schedule gets real weird in this fall winter of 98 but it really does make sense because the only people who go out the night before Thanksgiving are like college aged kids us teens were stuck home we still needed our content oh yeah I never considered going out <laughs> thank you WB programming executives I remember when I was a kid and we would watch TGIF on Friday nights being like, who would ever go out on Friday nights? TV is so good. <laughs> That's a real thing that I said out loud. <laughs> and I say it out loud now. I'm like, oh, who goes out on Friday nights? Oh my God. Who would ever leave the house? What are we drinking this week? Today we are drinking the Picket Fence, which is two ounces of bourbon, three ounces of apple cider, and two dashes of bitters. This is my dream drink. Like, I love a whiskey-cider combo. I could do without the bitters. Don't really need it. But whiskey and apple cider is top-notch for me. So fall. Well, it was Thanksgiving. It was Thanksgiving week. Uh, Shall I dive in? Tell us what it's about. So this episode opens with Pacey and Dawson in Dawson's bedroom. They're watching Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. So Pacey won't stop talking because he's bored with this movie. And he says that movie about upstanding men with unwavering morals just isn't his style. That's more Dawson's style. And he says that Dawson is a dying breed in this world. The good guys are becoming less and less common. Then Jen comes through the window drunk and passes out in Dawson's bed. Dawson tells Pacey this is the third time this week. And Dawson takes care of drunk Jen and tucks her in. You can see that it's kind of become routine and he's doing it effortlessly. And Pacey says this is exactly what he's talking about. Dawson is just a good guy. So Dawson then learns that the film that he shot in season one, the one that Joey helped produce, actually won first place at a local film festival. And it came with $2,500 cash prize. So Dawson's going to use this to bankroll his second small film that he hasn't written yet. But he's really excited to tell Joey. Even though she asked for space, he tells her that they want and he's so excited and he can't wait to make another movie with her. And she says that she's too busy with work and school and all of her art classes. And she hates to burst his bubble, but she won't be involved this time. Jack, meanwhile, asks Joey out on a date, which Dawson does not like. But Jack and Joey actually have a really good time. They have so much in common. They talk about art and her past and her friendship with Dawson. And Dawson gets to a fight with his dad. And he asks Jen if he can go to a party with her that night and join her on one of her infamous nights out. So previously, he's been really judgy of her party lifestyle, but he agrees to let loose and have fun. So Dawson and Jen get separated at the party, and Dawson catches Jen about to have a three-way with Chris Wolf from last week's All Nighter episode and his best friend. So Dawson picks Jen up, and he carries her out of the party, and they get into a fight outside. You know, he judges her lifestyle, and she says that he may be moral, yes, and he could be on his high horse, but he's miserable, just like the rest of them. And Jen tells Dawson she isn't like him. No one is. And that's what makes him so special. And he tells her that she is special, and she claims that she is not. So Pacey gets bad news from his guidance counselor, who says he's failing everything, and he even failed an aptitude test. And he doesn't even know how you fail one of those. At this rate, he'll be lucky to graduate, and if he does, he'll be working at a fast food restaurant. So Pacey's kind of accepted his fate. You know, this isn't news to him. But Andy tells him that he cannot just roll over and die. The public school system is terrible, and even Albert Einstein failed the second grade. People get lost in the school system all the time, and it doesn't necessarily reflect the student. So she tells Pacey that she believes in him, and it is not too late to change his fate and to change course. 
Heroes are made, not born. And Pacey smiles. You know, this is clearly the first time someone has ever said such positive things to him and really believed in him before. So she's determined to help him study and be a better student. So they make plans to hang out that night and go over some history lessons while she watches her mom. So Jack can go out with Joey. And Andy tells Pacey that her mom is doing a lot better under this new medication. But over the course of their studying that night, her mom gets out of the house and ends up making a scene down at the drugstore where she's rambling and talking about nonsense and talking about her husband who doesn't even live with them anymore and her son who's not even alive anymore. So she's clearly having some type of breakdown. And it turns out that this kind of happens a lot. You know, the drugstore has called them a few times now. So old habits die hard and Andy is keeping up appearances and having trouble being honest with herself and Pacey about how bad things really are with her mom. So Pacey is able to calm Andy's mom down and it's really sweet. Later, Pacey tells Andy that he's worried about her and she says not to worry, everything's fine, and she's really proud of him. And it's the first time that anyone has ever said that to him. So Mitch has a through line in this episode where he is in the process of moving out of the house but he really wants to stay close with Dawson. So he asks Dawson a few times, let's hang out as friends. You know, let's bypass this father-son relationship. Let's just hang out. And Dawson is very adamant that he already has friends. And what he needs is a dad. And he doesn't think his dad should be moving out. And Mitch makes it clear that that is not Dawson's decision. As his father and as the head of the family, Mitch has made this decision to move into a new loft to which he gives Dawson a key. Which comes in handy later when Dawson takes... Jen there after the party, after he rescues her. And as he's tucking her in, Dawson tells Jen that his next script is going to be a love story. And Jen says to make sure that the movie does not have a happy ending. Happy endings don't happen in real life. And so the last scene is Joey crawling through Dawson's window after her date with Jack. And she's really excited. But the wind kind of gets sucked out of her sails when she sees that he isn't there. And she sees his Jaws stuffed animal on his bed. And she smiles. So it kind of ends with this little sweet moment. They're kind of two ships passing in the night. They're giving each other space. They're each doing new things. And that is the end of episode 208. Very much so a setup episode to me. Yeah, there was like ominous moments in this episode, which will come into play later. But who wrote this opus? This episode was written by Darren Goldberg and Shelley Meals. They're a writing team, and they're with us for three episodes this season. They wrote this episode, the next episode, which is The Election, and then 213, His Leading Lady. They started writing together in 1996, and highlights of what they worked on were Dangerous Minds, the TV series, New York Undercover, The Young and the Restless, Rizzoli and Isles, Chicago Med, it seems like they parted ways in 2017 after Chicago Med. Shelley took a couple years off and returned to write on Sweet Magnolias, Sea, and most recently Shadow and Bone for Netflix. And Darren went on to write for three seasons of Good Witch, which is a Hallmark show, and produced a feature, a thriller called The Wrong Nanny. So they both have long-running careers, and I thought this was a great episode. It felt like all the characters in the last couple of episodes have been put into a bag and shaken up, and now we're waiting to see where they all fall. So I can't imagine it was very easy to come in and write this episode, and I think they did a good job. Yeah, every, there's like new dynamics happening, which is, mm-hmm. a, is a gamble. You know, are people going to like this new character that Pacey's spending all this time with? Are people going to like Joey and Jack? Are people going to like Dawson and Jen? So it was a risk. Certainly to do a whole episode where Dawson and Joey have two scenes or whatever it is. And Dawson and Pacey have one, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it was directed by Joe Napolitano, who has a ton of credits. He directed this episode this season and he comes back next season to direct one episode as well. He directed 12 episodes of Quantum Leap, Northern Exposure, The X-File, Chicago Hope, Picket Fences, The Practice, Ally McBeal. He's another one of those just like strong, solid 90s, 2000s directors. He had a really great, consistent career. Sadly, though, he passed away from cancer in 2016. So yeah, just a really impressive career. Another solid one. It was a good episode. I mean, nothing stood out to me stylistically about the episode. But like you said, fostering all these new dynamics is... Yeah, and I think when the directing doesn't stand out and it's not jarring like that, that is when you know the director really came in and did, especially if he's a first-time director for the show... That's impressive because he just mimicked the tone of the show. Shall we do a guest cash shout out? Oh my God, yes. 
I am going to give the guest cash out out this week to Caroline Cava, who plays Mrs. McPhee. I like her a lot. Yeah. She's so sweet. She is very sweet. And I didn't, in my mind, she's with us longer than she is. This is her last episode. This is the last time that we see her. I knew we didn't see her a lot. She has a ton of credits. She has Max Headroom, Born on the Fourth of July, Quantum Leap, Star Trek, The Next Generation, All My Children, The X-Files, Law and Order, The Practice, Third Watch. She's one of those that has like one to two episodes of a ton of shows. This has nothing to do with her whatsoever. But something about her to me reminds me of Erica Hahn from Grey's Anatomy. Her face. I can see that. Brooke Smith is the actress's name. They have the same face. I know her from something. And now that I'm, you say all of her credits, I think it might be Star Trek The Next Generation because I did watch that. I thought she was great. Short-lived character, but it's a very complex character. And I think she did a good job. Yeah, there's that scene where she has the breakdown at the end and Andy and Pacey go and help her. And she's talking. It's just really sad. She's talking about, you know. Yeah. Andy has Pacey over to come and study. And she's previously told Pacey, you know, my mom's getting better. She's on this new medicine. And the second that Pacey comes over, she's like, oh, too bad Tim's away at college. You know, he was so good at, you know, academics. He could help you study. And that's, of course, Andy's dead brother. So Pacey's like, are you sure your mom's doing better? And and it's sad. Yeah, it's a really messed up story. Yeah. To refresh memories of casual viewers, she was driving the car the night they all got in an accident and the oldest son died. His name is Tim. So Jack and Andy's older brother. And this caused the mom to have some type of psychotic break. So they moved to Cape Side. The dad still lives in the old town, Rhode Island, I believe. Yeah. I guess he's just there like with his job, you know, winning the bread and kind of shipping them money while his teenage kids take care of winning the, the bread. I've never <laughs> heard anyone say that, but I love it. And uh, <laughs> leaving his two teenage kids to take care of their shell of a mother, which naturally, wouldn't you naturally put your 16 year old daughter in charge of caring for your mentally ill wife? It's brutal for both of them. Brutal. There's more. It's just they're going to keep peeling the layers back in the McFees. I think they're part of what makes season two so great. Totally agree. And I think we're finally starting to see more of Jack. We're seeing the weight of the family on Jack's shoulders now that you didn't, you knew it was there, but you didn't really feel it as much until this episode, I think. Yeah. And I'm sorry if you said this, but what was her last credit? And when was that? Her last credit was an episode of Law and Order Trial by Jury, which I don't even remember that one. And that was in 2005. Okay, so it's been a minute. Yep. So let's talk about our music moments. I was very pleasantly surprised to find that my music moment from my memory was in the actual episode on Max. Which was what? Acoustic number three by the Goo Goo Dolls. Yeah, that was mine too. Oh, I loved that song in high school. It still just takes that. Is it a guitar yeah. solo riff? I don't know what the it's term like is. The that little picking, the guitar picking. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so good. It came on and I audibly gasped to myself on the couch, home alone. It took me a second to be like, this is Goo Goo Dolls. So good. Love that song. Talk about the scene that was going on. I know it plays at the end, but is it at Mitch's? Yeah, I believe it's at Mitch's when Dawson's talking Jen in. And she says, don't put a happy ending in your movie because happy endings aren't real life. She also calls Dawson her hero, which I feel like is all Dawson's ever wanted. And the, my favorite part of that scene is when Dawson goes, go get some sleep. You'll feel better in the morning. And she goes, I wish that were true. I have some stuff to say about all that when we open it up. I would say that was my favorite music moment as well. You have the list of the original music, right? Yeah. Sitting with an Angel by Dana Mace. This Is Who I Am by Shooter, Hope by R.E.M., Celebrity Skin by Hole. Yeah, that was a great song. It is a great song. That is a great song. Yeah. That played at the party. Got You, Where I Want You by The Flies, and then Acoustic Number 3 by The Goo Goo Dolls. Got You, Where I Want You. I have a playlist that's dedicated to like all just throwback music, like Death Cab for Cutie, you know, Guster, like all of those yeah, these early aughts people and the, that song's on there and sometimes i mean it's like a 600 song playlist that i put on shuffle and sometimes that song pops up nice love the past speaking of the past <laughs> do you have any past versus presents wow so the three-way <laughs> i don't 
like I've said, I've watched season two a lot. I remember season two vividly. I I do not remember that scene. So Dawson and Jen get separated at the party. He loses her. He He's looking for her. He walks into a bedroom. She's about to get Eiffel Towered by Chris <laughs> Wolf and Chris Wolf's best Whoever. friend. Yeah. So I watched this episode on a plane. And I don't know why I felt like I was watching porn or something. Like I felt like I had to like dim my iPad all the way down so people didn't see it, even though nothing was being shown. And then, so I was already like gasping, like clutching my neck, clutching my pearls. And then Chris says, hey, Dawson, want to join? <laughs> and I was like, what? what? I could not believe what I was watching. So I guess my past versus present would be like, holy shit. Like Dawson got... Dawson got a proposal to engage in like a four-way. Yeah. And Chris is just really into homoerotic gangbangs. Yeah. Devil's three-way. Wild. Devil's three-way. MMF. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just I don't I don't I do not remember that. It was crazy to me. It was so comfortable and casual on behalf of Chris and his friend that I was like, oh, are they just going around doing this all the time? This is their thing. I think they, yeah. And I think we could gather that this isn't even the first time Jen has had a three-way with them. <laughs> Jen's been partying with them a lot. They're in the party circuit. The night that she came in, in the cold open, when she comes into Dawson's room and claps on the bed, she's been partying with them. They come up to the next day. They're like, you recovered. Yeah. Like kegs and eggs tonight. That's when we like drink until breakfast, kegs and eggs, which is an amazing term, which I would use if I don't fall asleep by 11 now when I drink. But <laughs> I just, I, I guess I was horrified. <laughs> and I, again, I'm not like a prude. I just, I didn't have a memory of it. And for as edgy as this show tried to be, it's still very pure in my head, you know? Yeah, I have more to say about it when we open it up. But yeah, it was, they weren't holding back. You see Jen in her bra, she comes out, shirt unbuttoned. It was, it was racy. Did you have a past versus present? Loosely, my past versus present is just what we kind of touched on about the McPhees of, holy hell, these two teenagers have so much on their shoulders, which I, I feel like I always knew. But when you're a teenager watching, you're like, yeah, you step up for your family. But like really the realistic logistics of caring for a mentally unwell parent is so heavy. Yeah, I always loved Andy and I always watched it. This was kind of, we've talked about this. This is like a, this is one of those spectator sport storylines where like I couldn't relate to this, but it was fun to watch kind of a mm -hmm. thing. And the world has changed now. And I actually just read an article on this about two months ago where teenagers nowadays, the biggest issue they're facing is mental health. It's anxiety, depression, all of these things. Those are the issues they're facing. They are not dealing with cigarettes. They're not dealing with drunk driving. They're not dealing with teen pregnancy. Their number one issue is mental health and mental health disorders. And that's a vast, you know, that's a sharp contrast to when we were growing up where the number one thing plaguing teens was drunk driving and cigarettes and teen pregnancies and all of these things. But they've kind of learned from our mistakes and with cell phones and social media and things like that, the issues they're dealing with are more kind of constant and insular and in the home and their fingertips kind of a thing. And I just, this is my long-winded way of saying, I think this storyline is much more relatable now to people. Yeah. So living through 2020 and pandemic and just mental health and anxiety, just being like normalized and talked about and people's nervous energy being diagnosed as anxiety. And I think makes this storyline hit differently now because it's like, not just like a teenager dealing with the pressure of all of these things that seem too mature for her is more relatable now and even the the way that people are reacting at the store to her mom of like just staring and being like what's going on here where it's like very clearly somebody in a mental health crisis i feel like yeah. i was like why are people staring so like mouth agape but it's true i guess you people weren't as aware unless they had a direct relationship with somebody who was going through something like that yeah that was a really good past present that you brought up thanks Shall we open it up? Let's open it up. But before we start, I have a question, mm -hmm. a behind the scenes -y production question. So in this episode, there is the party that Dawson and Jen go to. And I've always been fascinated by party scenes. How do they shoot those? Are people dancing? Are the background actors dancing to a track? Have the songs been approved? Do they know what party songs they're going to do? 
Are they dancing to nothing? Are they dancing to a temp track? They're dancing to nothing, which I actually wrote down as one of my things because I was like, everyone at this party is dancing to a different song in their head. Nobody is dancing <laughs> to the same thing. So occasionally, if like in shows today, they're so much more calculated and so much more thought through because it'll be like a, you know, a 10 episode thing. And it's much more deliberate in what you're trying to say and like the style of the show. So sometimes you will have a song pre-approved, but in these network shows, you would never have a song pre-approved unless it were referenced by the characters in the scene. So occasionally they will play a song on set before they start recording just to be like, okay, party, here's a song. And then they turn it off and then that's you know, you go through the scene because otherwise, obviously, you would hear the music and the dialogue tied together. What you don't think about as a casual viewer is that if you were to play music in the background of a scene where there is dialogue, the music and the dialogue would be tied together. And you're cutting between take one of Jen and take three of Dawson and the music would never line up. So you just cannot have music tied to dialogue. Gotcha. Okay. So I work in sitcoms and the only party scenes that we shoot, really, there are no lyrics in the songs that are playing. So it's a beat. So they'll, they'll kind of do the same thing. They'll, they'll play the song, get the background actors dancing, shut it off action. And I just didn't know if that was different for hour longs. You've worked on a lot of hour longs and I didn't know if, yeah, the music gets like pre-approved or pre-bought or not usually pre-approved. And that's the thing they'll put it on, but just because you put on a song doesn't mean it'll be the same tempo or the same yeah. style or, you know, so it can feel a little funny. Because they usually do think that background actors that are dancing are pretty much on the beat in hour longs versus on sitcoms when they're dancing. It's just like a mess kind of, but so that was interesting. I'm glad I know that now. All right, let's open it up. What do you want to talk about? The first thing that struck me is this guidance counselor and how unbelievably harsh she is to Pacey. It's crazy like I was watching it and I was like is this just hyperbolic or is it was this how it was in the 90s because Pacey is a mess up but he's not an asshole like he's not rude to the teachers he's not like one of those combative kids so it's not like it felt very unwarranted how ruthless he was being yeah it was but I liked their banter I liked their dynamic like what he was saying was harsh but it didn't come across harsh because they kind of had this this intimacy or this closeness they did but it was very unprofessional i know he's it, like you're a loser and you're not going anywhere <laughs> it felt like a kid talking to like his grandfather or something yeah yeah he was like i've never seen anyone fail an aptitude test before <laughs> okay thanks i know it was wild but it motivates andy to whip pacey into shape but he did a good job selling the like i'm an old guidance counselor who doesn't care i'm like here for my money <laughs> yeah, I don't know. definitely poor pacey is he gonna turn it around i don't know i don't know only time will tell someone believes in him and her name is andy mcphee what do you got in this episode there's this whole trajectory where like we said pacey at the beginning says i'm not a hero you're a hero you're a good guy you know i i don't have scruples that's my role and then throughout the course of the episode we see pacey stepping up for andy he talks her mom down at the story we see pacey being a hero pacey steps into those shoes for a minute and and he does the right he does the right thing you know because he criticizes not criticizes judges i don't know what really it is but he's observing i guess that dawson he says something like you save stray cats you walk old ladies across the street like that's what you do and pacey has one of those moments at the end of the episode it's kind of a cute full circle moment he always sells himself short that pacey have you ever seen mr smith goes to washington i have not i have not either oops and we work in tv hacks <laughs> dawson is so annoying I know. I don't know what I was thinking. I think I'm turning. I think the tide's turning. Praise be. His hero complex makes me want to push him off a bridge. And you know what? Actually, he would probably survive because his shirts are so big that they would turn into like a squirrel a suit. And he would just <laughs> soar Not down. Not a squirrel suit. <laughs> his oversized shirts and pants are wild. But now those these oversized pants are back which is crazy. I saw a girl in Ralph's the other day basically wearing like, what were those jeans? Jankos. Jankos. It's too much. She tried to take a selfie video walking down the aisle and I was like in the background. So I like <laughs> ducked out of it and she stopped recording and she was like awkward. And I was like, yeah, you're telling me. <laughs> anyway, 
She had Junkos on. It was weird because I didn't like Junkos then. I never liked the oversized look. So it's weird to me that they're back because they're so clearly not stylish. I mean, I'm I'm not against a wide leg, but like an ultra wide leg. It's just never, it's never been it. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm I'm not talking about wide leg, like just like comically, like just large. Yeah. Like huge. 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 Big mistake. Big, huge. It's crazy. Dawson's clothes are crazy. They're crazy. I mean, you could fit three of him in that one shirt that he was wearing. The shirt that he was wearing when he looked like he wanted to punch Jack in the face when he's walking away. I was like, that's a nightgown. That's like an Ebenezer Scrooge, old timey, put a little cap on nightgown. It's not great. And I don't like Dawson in season two, I guess. Like, I do remember vividly liking him later. Not three. It's going to be a while. Well, in three, I think I do like him a little. Okay. We'll see. When you start liking him again, you let me know. Yeah. I I just, I do find him annoying, but I'm 40 now. Like I don't have tolerance for this. My level of tolerance has gotten, it's diminished. Amen. I'm sick of the analysis. I'm sick of the long-winded monologues. He's just wound so tight and he wants control of everything. Yeah. It's crazy. And I just don't like how he, so this is a reference a few times throughout the episode when Joey and Jack are on their date. Dawson comes up and he's like, Jack's face falls. And Joey says, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I shouldn't be bringing up Dawson on our date. It's just he's such an integral part of my life. Like, I'm not even talking about him like an ex-boyfriend kind of way. I'm just talking about him like he's just part of my life. And she says, Dawson loves movies so much that he thinks his life is one. And like, he just cast you, Jack, as the villain. And I I was like his, you know, leading lady and he's the hero. And it kind of comes into play too when he... When Dawson's talking to Mitch, his dad is going through a divorce. His wife cheated on him. His life is in shambles. And Dawson is just like, well, I think you should stay here. I think you should live in this house. And Mitch is like, well, that's not your decision. I'm the dad. I'm the guardian. I'm the father. Like you, you don't have to agree with my decision. You have to respect it, which is a theme that has come up on the show before. Jen said that to Dawson and Joey. Like, mm-hmm. I acknowledge your relationship, but I don't respect it. And what Mitch says to Dawson is like, maybe Dawson says, all I do is respect people's decisions, people's bad decisions. And then Mitch says, maybe it's because you just think about how the decision affects you and you're not thinking about the intention behind it. You're just thinking about the effects of the decision, not the intention. And I was like, good for you, Mitch. Put him in his place. You and your V-necks. Yeah, I love that. It's just too much. It's almost like cartoonish selfishness. He's like, well, this is not fun for me. And they're like, Dawson, we're getting a divorce. This is not fun for anyone. Have you thought about how it affects me and my relationship with Joe? (laughs) Also, Mitch is lost. Holy Okay, that's what I was going to say. How is he affording this loft? He doesn't have a job. Capeside Real Estate is lit. It is a ballroom. It is an event space. It's giant. It is humongous i'd leave gail's house in an instant bye (laughs) i'd be like the forrest gump gift just like running away (laughs) i would not be able to run away from that little house fast enough with the exposed brick and the oh i love it cage what's what's mitch what's mitch gonna do with that cage oh i have some ideas (laughs) bachelor (laughs) miss jacobs oh tamara good for him you know maybe he's getting like alimony spousal gail with her gail with her reporter job winning that bread gail's off winning the bread yeah i mean they're not even divorced <laughs> kissing, yet kissing your co-workers on the lips <laughs> all of them every day oh good morning <laughs> i haven't seen you in 12 hours thanks for the ride home pucker up whatever don't ask questions <laughs> anyway if anyone knows about four thousand square foot loft with the cage (laughs) please forward me the zillow listing that i can rent without having a job that'd be great (laughs) they're giving away some michelle williams feet content for free 2023 could never allow that she's painting her toenails when dawson comes in yeah make money off that feet content seriously i'm like i might do it you ready to be an accountant I might have to start the foot content. If anyone wants to send me money, here's my cash chap. Okay. Mitch and Gail's fruit bowl. Their fruit bowl is so full. <laughs> Someone in that family needs to start eating the fruit. Well, I don't know. 
Dawson doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who eats fruit. <laughs> what do you think he eats? <laughs> like a lot of white foods, like bread and French fries. Bologna sandwiches, no sauce. <laughs> Maybe mayonnaise. Just dry sandwiches <laughs> and plain pasta. No, like, I don't know. <laughs> no butter. He, no butter. He's very, strikes me as someone who's very particular. Well, Mitch Mitch has to start down on those apples. Mitch is doing just fine. I bet Mitch <laughs> eats the core. <laughs> well, we've talked about Pacey and Andy. So when Pacey finds out that he is going to work in fast food and that his guidance counselor hates him, <laughs> his guidance counselor is verbally abusive towards him. And his guidance counselor like might be an alcoholic. I don't know. They didn't bring that up. <laughs> I just could buy it. The guidance counselor was drunk, right? Or something. Anyway. Before Pacey walked in, he was kicking back a flask or something. Andy gives this whole speech in the cafeteria, like like I said, Albert Einstein and students falling through the cracks of the public education system. And she just gets louder and louder and louder in the background. Actors and noise in the cafeteria gets lower and lower and lower. And she's basically giving a speech about Pacey being able to like overcome all of this. And, and it's just cute. I don't know. It's just a cute scene where she gives this rousing speech. And then everyone claps because Pacey goes, ladies and gentlemen, Andy McPhee. And everyone claps. It's just a cute scene. Yeah, she's intense. She's Very. an in intense lady, for sure. But you know what? It actually bothered me. Pacey bothered me towards her. When they first get to the McPhee household, they talk to Andy's mom outside and then they come inside and Pacey's like, I thought you said she was doing better. And he's like really pressing her and really laying into her about the fact that her mom referenced her older brother as still being alive. And I was like, Pacey, lay off. Like, she's very obviously mentally unwell, but she wasn't like losing it. And he's like, what's going on? Like, I thought you said, I was like, Pacey, freaking relax, bro. Yeah, he was pressing her. And like, I don't know. I don't know why I'm projecting onto it. To me, like family stuff is very precious and like you shouldn't comment on people's families and stuff like that it would yeah. be different to me if he was approaching it as like i'm worried about you that like you're taking on too much or like in a way that was supportive of andy but he was like well what's going on with your mom yeah i agree with you it was more like pressing or prying or i don't know i didn't like it he it was that scene where she says you know i wish tim was here he could help you with your studies and then yeah. they walk in and he's like your mom doesn't seem better at all she like what are you talking about like she seems <laughs> yeah he basically is like, your mom's freaking Looney Tunes. What are you saying? Like, you told me she was better. Like, what? And I don't know. Yeah, it, it was weird. But it's Joshua Jackson's pace. He pulls it off. But it was a little cringy, for sure. Yeah. If, oh, if James Vanderbeek and Dawson were delivering that line, well, forget about it. <laughs> He'd be like, Andy. <laughs> oh. Andy, your mom is Looney Tunes and it's making me uncomfortable. I need to rescue her with my big pajama pants. <laughs> my oversized khakis his flannel his like brick red flannel was just like i don't know it's ugly and 25 sizes too big yeah i can't i can't with skinny people who are oversized can i just be honest if you're skinny we're form-fitting okay for those of us that can't and i don't know why they don't ever show dawson without his clothes on because he has good physique why would <laughs> we know they? this why would they well, I feel like you see, you've we've seen Pacey without his shirt on. Yes, but it made me feel a little uncomfortable. I mean, I guess it was just in like a <laughs> like when he took his shirt off and to play basketball, and yeah, I was just I felt a little. He, he had a just... little boy body. Yeah, he's too twinky. <laughs> he looks like a child this season. He reminds me of the boy from Love Actually, Sam playing the drums. Like he has like kind of a rectangle head and kind of big hair. <laughs> He just is, looks like a little boy. I mean, we've talked about it. Not that this, I mean, this is slowly turning into the Summer I Turn Pretty podcast, but <laughs> when they take their shirts off, I'm like, oh, put it on. Put that rugby shirt back on. I don't want to see your little bony arms. Yeah. Hmm. I'm 40 now. <laughs> Where are the dads? <laughs> Where are your dad at? They didn't do a dad episode this season, did they? The dad came back for one episode, but not the other dad. Anyway. This is not a this is not a summary term pretty podcast. Team Belly. People hate Belly now. <laughs> Crash that funeral queen. <laughs> Make a funeral about you, bitch. 
Get your Dawson on. Go off. <laughs> Go off, Queenie. <laughs> uh. So, another thing that I love. And, like, I think I just need to channel Andy McPhee more in my daily life. Mm-hmm. Because she is a badass bitch. When they first arrive in her room to study, Pacey's admiring all of her trophies and her awards and stuff. And he's just like, how do you do it? How are you so type A and you're on this and you get straight A's and you win first place and everything. And you take care of your family and you're going to take care of me and you're taking me on. Like, how do you do it? And she says, she basically shrugs like it's a big deal. (laughs) And she says, you've got to do what you got to do. And I was just like, that line really spoke to me. I was like, you do have to do what you have to do. It's the deepest thing I ever heard. I was like, God, you know, like we make too much out of things now. Andy was just like, you just just do it. You know what I mean? I feel like over the years I've become more of a Dawson. Like I have to analyze and be emotional <laughs> about everything and be annoying. And I need to be more like an Andy. I need to just fuck. I just need to freaking do it. I just need to do it. It's not that deep, you know. It's just life. It's just life. Just, it's just life. Just, it's you have to do things just do it it doesn't have to be a big thing it doesn't have to be a thing i'm glad that that spoke to you i hadn't thought about it that deeply but does that make sense have i had too many (laughs) have i had too many picket fences it does make sense i what i took away from it is pacey said to her aren't you tired and before she spoke i was like exhausted that would have been my response i don't even do a fraction of what andy mcphee does and i'm freaking exhausted but yeah you gotta do what you gotta do all right well let's bring that energy into november no i'm sorry she said you do what you've got to do andy mcphee tattoo it on your lower back tramp stamps are back baby (laughs) do you think she pronounces her name andrea or andrea or andrea (laughs) (laughs) this reminds me of a meme that i just saw there's this meme where all these girls are dressed in like fall clothes and it's the Ashley meme. Have you seen that? It's like every no. girl has a different spelling of Ashley. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Very funny. But anyway, I'm watching Selling the OC, which like season two needs Emmys. It's amazing. But they just hired their fourth Alexandra. And one goes by Alex. One goes by her last name. One goes by her first and last name. And one goes by Allie. <laughs> like, just stop hiring people <laughs> with the name Alexandra. Just hire a woman with a different name. It's so Just weird. hire anyone else. There's only like nine women on that show and four of them are named Alexandra. <laughs> what else? I mean, there's other things we could talk about, but like, I don't know. Jack calling it. Jack. Oh, it's not a date. It's a dad. I mean, cute things went on, but I don't know if much of it is. Well, what I was going to say is not Andy McPhee with the whiteboard in her room, studying <sighs> whiteboard. She's breaking story in there. she's got the easel she really is she's got note cards she's going places i bet she's a ceo (laughs) no we know what her career is i know i know (laughs) spoiler mrs mcphee in her garden yes she's in her gardening era what do you think she's doing out there (laughs) i just picture her just like touching the leaves because she's not doing it she doesn't have any real wits about her my favorite was how she sorry this is a complete departure but how shady she was to pacey when pacey was like oh let's get some marshmallows and she's like you don't want that (laughs) no no we're not getting that (laughs) and at the end when he's calming her down in the drugstore and he's like let's go get a sandwich and she's like a sandwich (laughs) i'd like that but that is like, that's how I react when someone wants to make me a sandwich. I could make oh. you a sandwich. <laughs> Am I Mrs. McPhee? I don't know. Maybe I get excited over sandwiches. <laughs> the only other thing. Oh, I have two other th- I have two more things. <laughs> the first one is, did you notice the extra coming out of the bedroom before Dawson discovers Jen and the guys? And she was like fixing her hair. She- <laughs> oh, God. she was first up it was crazy how exaggerated they like teased her hair and she was like pushing it down like ha ha, ha, what a fun romp in the hay we used to call it jbf hair what's that stand for just just got it got it i can't curse because we've been (laughs) told not to curse on the podcast just been f jbf hair 
The party was crazy. Kegs and crazy. eggs. And they had just had one the night before. Do we think it's the same <laughs> house or do you think they just have a rotating cast of people who host parties during the week? That's, yeah, I don't know. Or was it Chris's house? It wasn't Chris's house. It was the friend's house. Because mm. he's like, oh, hey, right, 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 right. how's it going? And she's like, I did Advil and I'm recovering. And he's like, you're a champ. We're going to have a party at my friend's house. And he's like, kegs and eggs. And Dawson's like, I'm writing my romance novel. <laughs> oh, God. I'm drinking my Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola classic out of the can. <laughs> no, it's, it's Pepsi. And I specifically no, noticed. No, it is. Jack is drinking a Pepsi. Where they both Dawson's drinking drinks. Coke at the oh party. Oh, my God. I'm glad that Dawson's Creek took on this controversial issue of Pepsi versus Coke. I'm on Team Dawson then because I prefer Shoot, Coke. yeah. Pepsi, get out of here. Yeah, when Jack asks... Jack is so corny in this episode, too. When Jack asked Joey on the date, he's a Pepsi can on his tray. Hmm. And I was like, if you ask me out and you had a Pepsi can <laughs> on your tray, I would not say yes. You are out. I'm a Coke Zero Barbie. <laughs> I don't Period. think I've ever had a Coke Zero, to be honest. That is crazy. I know that you say it's different, but I just don't like Diet Coke. So I just never had one. So Ralph's, which is like a, do people know what Ralph's is? It's like a Kroger chain it's like grocery a, store. Yeah, like a grocery store, yeah. It's in the Kroger family. Because <laughs> sometimes I reference Ralph's and people are like, huh? Yeah, I didn't know it before I moved to California. They always have like specials on the 12 pack of Coke Zero cans, like buy three, get $4 off. I don't know, whatever. So I always end up leaving with like three or four 12 packs. And it does look ridiculous. I know, like in the cart when you're just leaving the store with that much <laughs> Coke Zero. But I always have my headphones on when I grocery shop. And I was leaving Ralph's the other day and this lady was screaming at me in the parking lot. And I was like, oh, Lord, I did that. Like, should I take it off? Like, yeah. is this going to be, is this going to be worth my time? Is she Karen? Is she crazy? Like, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> is she Mrs. McPhee? Oh, my God. So I took my, <laughs> I took my headphones off and she's just, you know, Coke is terrible for you, don't you? You shouldn't be buying that. Oh. Yes. And I was like, it's Coke Zero. There's no sugar. There's no calories. I don't know why I was engaging with this woman who was like, it was so weird. Why did these, I, the weirdest things happened to me. She was just screaming at me about how I shouldn't be buying the Coke after I bought it. Like, what does she want me, what does she want me to do? Like, unload it in the parking lot? Like, I just spent $20. Oh my God. On- thank you for telling me. I hadn't heard. Yeah. I have a Coke Zero. I mean, it's an addiction for sure. But also, but it doesn't have aspartame in it, right? Isn't that the thing? No. Yeah. And it's zero calories and zero sugar. That's why my boyfriend, partner, whatever I'm supposed to say, I don't know, whatever. He listens to this and he, he'll relate to this because he's always he's tr- always trying to get me to stop drinking Coke Zero. But I'm like, why? It's, there's nothing in it. It's like water. <laughs> it's basically It's basically water. water. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, Jack Jack drinks Pepsi and it's a major red flag for me. That's what, basically what that seven minute rant comes down to is not taking me out with a Pepsi. No. He just, what is with people going on dates in this town to the park? Like they just go to the park, sit by the river. Jack talks about it, he almost gets struck by lightning. Like <laughs> she's talking about her ex-boyfriend and he's talking about how he almost gets struck by lightning. <laughs> Jack's got a lot on a lot on his mind. He's an avoidant personality. He's like, oh, mom's crazy. I'm going to research lightning. <laughs> he watches the Weather Channel for fun. That's brought up multiple times this episode. So the McPhee house is crazy. <laughs> Day in the life. <laughs> Mrs. McPhee's talking about sandwiches. Andy's just like upstairs in her rocking chair with like her awards. <laughs> and Jack is watching the Weather Channel. It's a party. Oh, and like, how did we not know Jack was, oh, we don't know Jack is gay yet. I know. That's, I almost made a comment of, well, he's not being his true self, so we can't hold it against him. The Pepsi drinking. Well, true. <laughs> straight, straight people drink Pepsi. Gay people drink Coke Zero. <laughs> like, there's this moment where, and I, I hate when Joey does this, when she just like bashes Cape side. Jack's like, what are you doing tonight? And she's like, I don't know. I was thinking about getting a massage and getting a four-star spa and doing it. Like, She's just like mocking Cape Side. She has no life. She's poor. We get it. And she's like, and then I think I'm going to go to the Louvre and see the Matisse, you know, exhibit. And he's like, oh, the Matisse exhibit just moved from the Louvre to the Met. 
<laughs> okay. Like, what 15 year old, a 16 year old is like following art exhibit calendars? Schedules. Maybe they talked about it on the Weather Channel. <laughs> what? Anyway, <laughs> Jack's gay. I mean, spoiler. <laughs> if, you didn't, if you didn't know it from that, he likes dudes. Do you have anything else? I have one one last thing, but it's a question. There's a moment when Jack sits down with his Pepsi after he just asked out Joey. And he's like, oh my God, I just asked out Joey. And Andy's like, ooh. And Pacey has this look in his face where he's not happy. And Jack's like, oh, I'm sorry, Pacey. I know Dawson's your friend. And Pacey's like, just leave me out of it. It felt like a noteworthy interaction. Yeah. I guess they had to... Acknowledge it. Just, yeah, yeah. But not make a meal out of it. Yeah. Praise God. What do you think Joey was going to say to Dawson if he was in his room? I have no idea. Actually, glad you brought this up. What was the point of that? I don't know. What do you think she was going to say? I don't know. Maybe just my assumption i guess is that she talked about him to jack as like oh my friend my friend like she's missing the friendship a little bit so maybe it was just like hey trying to regain some normalcy and then obviously he's not there that's a good theory or like hey i just went on a date with jack and i liked it you know what else could she say maybe she's trying to explain the last interaction they had was when he goes to her house he gives her half of the prize money which is twenty five hundred dollars so he gives her uh, I don't do math. Twelve fifty. Twelve fifty. And he says, "Oh, where are you going?" And she's like, "Just hanging out with a friend." And then when he leaves, he runs into Jack. So Jack is the friend. He's going. You know, he kind of spirals a little. He goes to Jen. He says, "I want to go out with you. I want to go to that party." It's kind of in retaliation because Joey's going on a date. So maybe she's like going to him to like explain herself or to kind of smooth things over. I don't know. I don't know either. We'll never know. Hmm. Do you want to explain why the drink is called the pick fence? Yes. So Dawson's drink this week, we were drinking a white pick fence, as we said. And we are drinking that because when Dawson carries Jen out of the party and they're having their fight about how he's special and she's not special and he's moral, but he's still miserable. Everyone's miserable. You might as well have fun. She throws up on a white picket fence while they're fighting. And... Very symbolic. Yeah, she's this bad girl who bucks tradition and she's throwing up on white picket fence. And we always try to tie the drink into the episode somehow and be cheeky. We do, and it is not easy, so. It is not easy. All right, that's all I had. Do you have anything else before we turn to creek speak? I don't. Shall we do a creek speak? Yeah, let's do a creek speak. This one is from... Kate Abra on Apple Podcasts. Five stars. Micah and Christina are great hosts. I haven't watched Dawson's Creek in forever, and listening to this podcast has been a great nostalgic listen. Highly recommend. Kadabra. Thank you. That's so nice. Shall we do Dawson's Draft? Let's do Dawson's Draft. All right. So for this week, the category is... I always feel like RuPaul when I say that. Category is... Best sidekick. All right, you go first. I'm going to give my number one to Styles from Teen Wolf. I mean, it's been, we've covered it a lot. I mean, he's, he is kind of like a pacey light kind of, he's just that fun sidekick. He eventually, like most sidekicks, goes on to have a lead story, but he is just a great friend, great actor. He's funny. I just think he's loyal and supportive and all around great. It's a great pick. I just love their friendship, and I love him as a character. I'm going to take Landry from Friday Night Lights. (gasps) That's a good one that didn't even cross my mind. I love Landry. I think he's so cute. He's such a good friend to Matt Saracen, who was my best leading male pick. He He's just so cute. He's so supportive. He loves what he loves. He's like nerdy, funny. I just think he's kind of the best. So funny. I didn't even think of him, which is kind of annoying. He's a great pick. <laughs> For my number two, I'm going to go with Brooke Davis from One Tree Hill, which I know you haven't seen. But Brooke Davis is played by Sophia Bush, and she is Peyton's sidekick. For, I would say for the first two seasons, she, like most sidekicks, as you said, goes on to, she's actually the lead of like the last few seasons, I would say co-lead. Um, but again, very funny, very show-stoppery, scene-stoppery, scene-stealer. 
and sassy, all those things. I think I'm going to take Willow from Buffy. That's a great pick. I was a in and out of Buffy. I wasn't like in every week must be in front of the TV. But from what I remember, she was just so loyal, such a good friend, like always there, always supporting, funny, goofy, all of the sidekick tropes. And then she kind of like came into her own power a little bit. And I don't know. I just thought she was great. My number three. I am going with our very own Jack McPhee because I feel like he eventually becomes a sidekick to Jen, which we'll get into as the podcast develops. And I just love Jack McPhee. I mean, for all the reasons we've said, he's a great little sidekick to her. Who's your number three? I'm going to take Bill Haverchuk from Freaks and Geeks. He's a good one. He is one of my favorite characters from that show. He's just like a really great, well-rounded character in my mind. It's a very much so an ensemble cast, but because it's kind of centered around Sam and Lindsay, he's like Sam's sidekick and he just has such a good storyline. He is 100% truly himself. He's a dweeb. He's a cutie. He's funny. He's, he's great. I love him. I'm going to go with Javier from Felicity. He was Felicity's boss at Dean and DeLuca. Very funny. Just, I used to laugh out loud to him so much. And uh, like, I think he just did everything a sidekick should do. Just come in, steal the scene, deliver a joke, loyal, funny, just love him. Okay. I'm going to take season one Pacey. (laughs) I've been waiting. I cannot believe that was. (laughs) Wanted to get my like true sidekicks out of the way because I do feel like Pacey steps into his own and becomes one of the leads of the show. But season one, he's just providing that comic relief that you know sidekick energy he's supporting dawson he's just doing his thing and he's the best i don't need to beat a dead horse yeah i think like when you're a good sidekick in the first season or two you're eventually going to become a lead because if you are if you're a sidekick and you're good at it the audience is gonna clock in and they're just and the writing staff and everyone is just gonna love you and want to feature Mm -hmm. you more yeah so for my fifth i'm gonna take summer roberts from the oc She's a good pick. Yeah, she's so funny. And she's just so snotty and love her. Who is your final pick? I'm kind of going off the rails with this one. My pick is Belly's best friend, Taylor, from The Summer I Turned Pretty. And it is because she is... Taylor has main character energy. She is her own main character. She has all of the makings of like a snotty narcissist kind of she could she could be a bitch but she's not she's like so supportive of her best friend I don't know I just love her I think she's great I think season two she really she really just earned that role of amazing sidekick for me so I picked her yeah she's good I just think in general that show has to earn its stripes a little more even though I do love totally. it that's best sidekick so to go over my five it was style from Teen Wolf, Brooke Davis from One Tree Hill, Jack McPhee from Dawson's Creek, Javier from Felicity, and Summer Roberts from the OC. Mine were Landry from Friday Night Lights, Willow from Buffy, Bill from Freaks and Geeks, Pacey from Dawson's Creek, and Taylor from The Summer I Turned Pretty. Case closed. It's a great list. All right, we did it. Next week, we will be back with episode 209, The Election. It's a great one. And we will be drinking... El Presidente. You will need rum, Cointreau, dry vermouth, and grenadine. So collect your ingredients and we'll see you back here next week. Bye. Bye.